Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. It is me, your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. I have been trying to record this intro for the past three hours, but I randomly lost my voice. I don't know what that's about. I think it's back. I think we're good to go. Um, It must just be the heat, guys. I'm just blaming everything in my life on the heat. It's exhausting me. I'm over it. I can't deal. I'm such a fall girl. Like, give me some fall candles, some soup in the kitchen, and a nice fireplace, and I'm like, good, you know? I'm seriously considering canceling Halloween and just starting to decorate for Christmas. 2020 has already been a wash. So at this point, like I might as well do what makes me happy and that's Christmas. So updates to come. I really might end up actually decorating my entire house for Christmas within the next week. Like I just don't see why not. Like what's holding me back, you know? Recently, um, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys would have already seen this. My sister got in a really bad car accident about a week and a half ago, and she broke her femur. It's been rough. She can't walk. Um, she had Her whole family had to move her because she was in the middle of a move. Really, seriously, convenient that she just gets to sit there and watch everyone. You know what I mean? But anyways, I have just been a nurse. If you guys haven't seen the nurse highlight on my Instagram page, it's actually pretty funny if I do say so myself. It's actually comedy gold, but I'm exhausted. I actually feel like I'm a mom at this point. And um, I, literally, as soon as I finish recording this, I have to go back because I'm on night duty tonight. So, you know, it's been a really exhausting past week and a half. And just uh, pray for me, everyone. Keep me in your prayers. Her pain meds make her even more mean. So uh, seriously, keep me in your thoughts, you know? Meanwhile, I've just been redoing my house yet again. I read in my office. It's on Instagram. I feel like this vibe is better. Um, it's just been a lot. That's all I've been doing in 2020. I've also been reading some Colleen Hoover, her latest book. So freaking good. Um, Heartbones. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called. I read it in one sitting. Oh my gosh, like next level. And I'm currently reading Confessed by Her. Not as good, still good. Um, I just finished Colleen Hoover books in like a day or two. They're a pretty easy read, but they're so freaking good, and I love her. Speaking of, guys, um, we have one week left until our book club episode. So next week, I will be doing a solo episode. I'm going to talk about morning and night routines, I think, and the last half of it, I will be doing a book recap. If you guys are not aware, we started a book club. So once a month, I'll do a solo episode. The first half will be a normal solo episode. The second half of that episode will be our book club portion. So I'll have a guest on. We'll talk. It'll be super fun. 
this month's pick is Midnight Sun. You guys still have a week to read or really, you know, you can listen to the episode, whatever, I guess. But if you guys want to stay up to date, you have one week left to read. And then next week I will be announcing our new book pick. I also have been spending some time at the lake. That was really refreshing. Oh, oh my gosh, guys. Okay, another thing. If you guys can't tell, I really just wanted to talk. Um, I picked up my first Boys Lie set, finally. I pre-ordered it a month ago. It came in. It is the best thing ever. Literally within the next 24 hours, I had already ordered two new sets. Like, I am obsessed with them. Follow me on Instagram because I posted a bunch of photos in it because it's just literally the best thing ever. I also recently posted a YouTube video wearing the set, but in the YouTube video, I talk a lot about comparison and just pressure that we all put on ourselves to achieve things by a certain age and feeling like we're not doing enough, which is like such a stupid thing when you really think about it. But it's very real, especially this year. It's just it's rough. So if any of you guys are struggling with that, check out my YouTube channel. Sorry, I'm really all over the place, guys. I just have like a lot of energy right now. I drink a cold barrel. So here we are. Sneak peek into the next few guests that we will be having. We are actually having the founder of La La Land on, which is very exciting. I'm recording with him tomorrow. If you guys didn't know, that's like my all-time favorite coffee shop. And this is a very exciting time, okay? I will be recording with Julia Haven soon. I texted her today and she's like, oh my God, I would love to. So many of you guys have been requesting her. Um, yes, we are friends. People ask that a lot. We just haven't really seen each other because of COVID. But I think we will be seeing each other soon. And then we also have the founders of Boys Lie coming on soon, which is really exciting. We've got some other ones, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. I thought it would be kind of fun to share with you guys. Give you something to look forward to. You know what I mean? As always, join the mailing list for the newsletter. If you guys have not, you are missing out on so much. I work so hard on it and it's great. I give you direct product links. I tell you what I've been reading, what I've been listening to, who I've been following, all of that stuff. I also have The Living Room. If you guys are interested in any faith content, it's on Patreon. Um, we're doing podcast-style episodes over there, videos, devotions, Bible studies, all that stuff. If you guys are into that sort of thing, um, be sure to join The Living Room. If you guys like this podcast, um, please leave a nice rating and review. Join our Facebook group. If you guys haven't, you are really missing out. People are making friends there 24-7, and I'm always getting the best recs and the best advice on there. It's really fun. Anyways, today's episode is really exciting. Um, we have Greg and Gabriel Kelly on from Showtime's latest docuseries, which is Outcry. I talked about that, um, I think, two weeks ago on the podcast because I just finished the docuseries and it is so good. I really want to reiterate before we get into any of this that we are not saying the victim was lying or not believing the victim. The entire problem behind this story is um, kind of just the corruption and the laziness, honestly, of the system in which they actually put the wrong man behind bars. So in no way, shape, or form is this focused at all on um, blaming the victim or the victim was wrong or the victim was lying. That's not it at all. It's really just about um, kind of how the system has failed us in getting the wrong guy. Um, and it's really crazy if you guys actually watch the docuseries. I would definitely recommend it to see just what they, they did and what honestly, more specifically, what they didn't do. It is really crazy. But we have Greg and his wife, Gabriel, on today. But we have Greg and his wife, Gabriel, on today, who I think is the most loyal person ever. And she's just such a gem, such a sweet girl. I'm just so excited. So if you guys are not aware, Greg Kelly is a former high school football player in Texas, Texas forever, who has recently been officially exonerated years after he was convicted of sexually abusing a young boy. The Showtime series Outcry follows his journey of being wrongfully accused and convicted of sexual assault. It follows a lot of just how corrupt our system is. Um, I was really appalled by what happened. 
again, this isn't about not believing the victim. The entire point is that they got the wrong guy. Um, but this is just about the extreme corrupt failure from the system. So I would definitely recommend checking out the Innocence Project. There are so many people behind bars right now who are innocent, specifically black men who are innocent or who committed a crime that doesn't even closely match up to the sentence that they have received. It is absolutely heartbreaking. But what I love the most about the Kellys is how they've handled the situation. I think that they're so strong and just so full of like grace and hope. And I don't know. I just could never imagine being in the situation and coming out as strong as they have. And I just had so many questions about life after prison and forgiveness and loyalty and working through that just as a couple and also individually. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's so interesting and they're the greatest. Definitely go follow them on Instagram and support their business that they started. We'll talk about that all soon. Hope you guys enjoy. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for you guys to be on. First off, we're all Texans here. So I'm really happy about that. Um, and I watched Outcry. I literally DM'd you guys probably when I was like one episode in because I was already hooked to it. So what was that like a week or two ago? And I absolutely loved it. I think you guys are both just incredible. So I'm very excited for this episode, but before we get into that and into your story, um, we have to do hot seat. So what is your best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months? No, you can go first. Okay. I gotta think about this. I think mine is just kind of towards our business, but we ordered these lights for our cornhole and there's like 16 different colors. And honestly, it's like, it changes the game. It's yeah, the best. It's, it's awesome. Look it up. It's amazing. Game changer for real. Um, let's see, under a hundred dollars. He's like, I spend more than hundred bucks. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, some of the so some of the stuff I'm talking about, they're a few hundred dollars, but they're power tools that really just changed the game of my business. But um, under a hundred bucks, I mean, um, big spender. I mean, I would probably have to say all those toe shoes things you got. Oh yeah, okay, that's a good one. Um, so I bought these shoes that are like kind of minimalist type shoes, where like it's almost like a foot glove. And I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to walk around and actually feel the objects on the ground through your feet. So that's probably what I would have to say. Both of those answers, I love them because they're so like Texan, specifically Austin, like very, you know what I mean? Like cornhole. Also, I want to talk about this later on, but like I grew up playing cornhole. So this is just, it's so fun. Oh my gosh, so fun. Okay, so um, I have already introduced you at this point a little bit, but do you guys want to go and share a little bit of your story? I know it's that's like a loaded question, um, but let's start when you guys met. Ooh, okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to go for it? I'll go ahead and start. So um, I, I feel like both of our accounts would probably be pretty accurate, but yeah. when we were when we were in a, we went to school together growing up. We went to uh, the same middle school which is uh, here in North of Austin. And uh, we actually kind of knew each other through friends. So like my friends were friends with her friends. And uh, so we actually had the same eighth grade math class. And I think that we got like situated where we were sitting next to each other multiple times. And we, so we got to know each other on a friendship level uh, and actually helped each other out with school and stuff. And, and then I actually, funny story, I actually was like really into her friend and I think her friend moved away and her and I just started like talking and I mean, we ended up falling for each other big time. We went to Slitterbond, which is really, really big here in Texas. It's a water park. 
And oh, yeah. uh, we were actually friends at Slitterbond, but we ended up just like falling for each other big time. And middle school. Through. Yeah, middle those school. middle school days. Yeah, middle school days. And then we uh, went to high school together and we actually dated and started dating going into high school. And uh, yeah, I mean, the rest was history. We started falling in love with each other. And then the biggest accusation of a lifetime hit where it really tested our, our love for one another. And uh, now we just, we're having a phenomenal life. Uh, Post-exoneration, now married. And uh, just looking forward for the future. I love this story. Also, the water park is, I mean, this is, gets even more Texan. Like, it's incredible. Okay, so clearly, if you guys have seen the show, the investigation was like, not, it didn't even exist. Like, there wasn't even an investigation. But, so you go into this thinking, like, you guys are going to be good. I read in an article, too, that you guys, like, had a trip planned the next day. Like, thinking there's no way that this was going to actually happen. Is that yeah. true or was that an article? No, no, that's true. We actually had a trip. Was it for Slitterbond again? <laughs> or was it Six Flags? It was like Six Flags yeah. or Slitterbond. We like had a whole friend group going together just to like celebrate that this is all over. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was totally planned and we we're ready to go. And we never thought in a million years that it would go the other way and be, he'd be convicted. Yeah. So there wasn't like when you went to court that day, you just for sure were like, okay, we're going to be good and like we're going to be out of here. Absolutely. I mean, there's no investigation. How can you convict somebody without any evidence or investigation? Exactly. Like there's literally, it's, it's not even like, I almost want to say it's laughable, but like, it's not laughable, but it is but just, in a way, in a yeah. way it's like, I, mean, I cannot believe it's just horrible. So, okay. At that point, when you're convicted, like you guys aren't able to talk, right? So you go into this just thinking we're going on this trip the next day. And then like, how long until you guys were able to talk? Like, how did you, because you can't communicate, right? Yeah. Well, I knew we were being put into the like prison system. So it takes a really long time to like yeah. even set up phones or him have like a, I guess, address where I can actually write him. And I know like, like everything really started with letters first because the phone took how long? Like, the phone, yeah, like, no, it's a lot of people don't understand the things that happen behind the scene that was just so tough for us at first. Like, Whenever I went to prison, we, I actually had to go through like a diagnostic where they were doing psychological tests and you have to get put into a tank where you're not allowed to have communication with your family, not allowed to use the phone, stuff like that. So we, uh, we probably only communicate maybe a handful of times through letters mm -hmm. um, for the first part, for the first, part yeah. for the first like two months. And then after that we got to talk more on the phone with one another, but yeah. it was still extremely hard. Yeah, and even then it's like 20 minute phone calls. I mean, it's it's hard, it's expensive yeah. too. Like they, it all Oh, we up. must have spent thousands of dollars on phone calls. Yeah. Um, which should have never even happened in the first place. No, absolutely. So during that, while he is away in prison, like what are you doing? Um, I mean, so I was going to stay back and I actually told him that I want to stay here and fight for you. And he's like, you know, honestly, you have dreams and I know how important they are to you and you need to go off to Los Angeles. Cause that was always my dream as little girls to go to Los Angeles, try out for this thing called edge performing arts and get a dance scholarship. And I was ready to just like cut it all off. I was so, I mean, I was heartbroken. Um, and I was like, I need to do whatever I need to do and stay here in Texas. And he's like, that's, I mean, that's, great but that's not going to help me to go after your dreams you need to go live your life and we're going to get through this um so he was extremely supportive I'm glad he told me to do that um I didn't stay back but it was definitely it was hard it was hard to go into a whole nother world where no one knew his story and didn't know what happened to him and so I didn't have the same support 
um, it definitely took a lot longer to build that support. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was out in Los Angeles dancing and um, chasing my dreams while at the same time fighting from him, for him. Did you know, because obviously you had a crazy, I'm talking to Greg now, sorry, I'm like, <laughs> two people. Um, obviously I had, there was like a crazy amount of support for you and people fighting for you. Did you know that right after the bat? Or like, at what point did you realize that there were so many people who were fighting for you? Um, you know, at first I had a, I had a great um, support group of my family. Um, my family, they never doubted me. They believed in me. They believed in me when I told them, like, hey, I have nothing to do with this. I didn't do it. Um, later on down the road, after I got convicted, I feel like my, uh, my situation, the accusations, the conviction really divided our town in half. You know, half of the people that were my friends, I, we lost half of our friends uh, because they literally thought that I was a monster. And because, you know, the state of Texas was only given out what they wanted to give out at the time. Right. They were only focusing on what they wanted to focus at the time. And it took a reinvestigation to really just show the truth. And um, now that the truth is shown, I feel like our town's kind of mending a little bit and the, the citizens in it to kind of all be on the same page with the truth. So, um, yeah, at first it was just the people that really loved me, my friends that were supporting me. And then now as as it unfolded, perfect strangers came and started, you know, supporting me and, and fighting for me which now those strangers, they become best friends. And so, um, yeah. Okay, guys, really quickly, I just wanted to talk to you guys about my absolute new favorite dating app. Guys, you're probably confused. You're like, Kinsey, what? You are not single. Well, let me tell you. SHIP, which is S-H-I-P, is the dating app where you can swipe on matches for you and your friends. So if you're single, you can invite friends to swipe for you. The best part, if you're not single like me, you can still join to help your friends out. You don't need to make a profile or anything like that. You can just join your friend's crew and start swiping. This is really actually solving so many family problems, guys. You don't understand. My siblings and my cousins and I were extremely close, and we also recently came to the realization that one day we will probably all pair off and get married, and then we're going to double our family size, and we don't want to ruin the family dynamics that we've built over the course of 25 plus years, guys, this is the strong family that we have going, you know? So we're a little bit worried about um, a few people in our family, specifically my little sister and her um, her kind of dating journey. We don't really trust her, her thoughts or her opinions. We just think that we know best for her. And I really just had to um, kind of take matters into my own hands. So recently, Quentin and I have been swiping on ship for potential suitors for Maddie. Maddie is beautiful, smart, intelligent, great, incredible. We love her and she only deserves the best. We are also tired of her third wheeling us, but that's beside the point. Our taste is totally different, which makes this app even more fun. I would argue that I have great taste for her and she has like subpar, but I really feel like this app is actually going to be a great middle ground for us because we'll be able to say like, hey, Maddie, I think this is great. Maybe you should. Oh my gosh, she's currently FaceTiming me right now. This is exactly what I mean by we need her to stop third wheeling, but um, I just think it's great because I'm able to kind of take matters into my own hands and help her out in the dating scene. Q and her are really into puns, so it's been fun. There's like a group chat going on and we can just send puns back and forth. I don't really send them, but they do. And that can be like a nice little starter on a dating app. You know what I mean? So lucky for her, I can't actually message her matches for her, but I can just steer her in the right direction. So date someone your friends already like. Download Ship, the app that lets you swipe with your friends. That's Ship, S-H-I-P, 
Search for Ship Dating in the App Store to start swiping today. Again, this is probably the best thing to happen to my family in all of 2020. So guys, check out Ship in the App Store. I promise it is so much fun. Oh my gosh. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. I love that. How did you keep your head up through all of this? I can only imagine it wasn't like possible at all times, but how did you obviously like, you know, and what everyone else now knows is that these accusations were completely false or you being involved in accusations was false. Right. So how during that time do you just keep your head up when there are so many people saying otherwise or turning against you or saying like that you're a monster? Like it's one of the worst things that you clearly had nothing to do with. Yeah, I think the strength and all that is a mixture of things. Um, one, just feeling the love of your family, believing in you, having hope and faith that you can get back to them. Um, two, loving your life. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that had a phenomenal life. I had a great life before prison. As far as being an athlete, having hopes and dreams to go and pursue a professional career as an athlete. Um, things that I, I just really held on to and wanted again, you know, in my life. And then three, the faith aspect of everything. You know, being being true to finding out who I am as a person, but also who God is to me. And so kind of relying on his strength instead of my own in that situation when you're at rock bottom makes the difference. You know, it provides you, you know, something to stand on when it gets tough. And so that's that, that's how I got through it. Has it been possible for you to um kind of like move past any bitterness or resentment or even maybe like forgiveness in this situation? You know, at first it was tough growing, going into prison, um, tons of hate in my heart. I mean, I mean, I mean, if I was looking at somebody that went through what I went through, I wouldn't blame them, you know, and it was, it was really tough. I mean, you, I don't know if you remember the documentary, but when they found me guilty, um, the, I hit my head on the table. I got back up. They put me in handcuffs. And I gave the most like bitter, disgusting, full of hate look to the DA that anybody could ever give them because it literally felt like to me and my family that I got murdered. I got literally, I think when I, I, they've used this, you know, Gabriel and my wife, uh, my mom and my brothers have used it. Like after we came home that night, it literally felt like you died. Like we were grieving your death. And so going into the prison system, I had tons of hate. I mean, I, I, but you know, the thing about that hate is that it starts changing the way that you continue to look at life. It starts changing how you treat people that you perfectly love, right? Because you're, you're, you're harboring something that's very ill and that should not be in your heart. So I think um, now I can boldly say here that I've, I've forgiven the people that have done this to me. And it's not necessarily um, for them, but it's for me. You know, it's, it's for me to continue to go on as a free man. Yeah, I, there's that saying of holding on to hatred or bitterness or whatever is like drinking poison and expecting the other person. And I think in this situation where this wasn't something that you did and it's something that you were so like wrongfully convicted of. And so it obviously like, especially at just kind of the point in your life, like about to graduate like high school, college football, like your career, all of that, of course, like that... I mean, I just admire that so much because that makes so much sense. Like that is such a transitional period where it's really kind of like starting your life post-school. And I just think that's really incredible because I cannot imagine 
like the hatred and also like even I think about when things happen to my siblings and it's like I am probably the nicest person ever until you do something to my siblings and then I am like Corella DeVille like I am actually horrible when it comes to like defending my siblings so I think just like I don't know having like hatred in your heart obviously even if it is from a way that like totally totally makes sense I think it's important to feel emotions but also it's like I love what you said about how that changes how you view people that you love and just kind of how you view life. You also, in the documentary, like I think about the, specifically the like, the fake profiles on Adult Friend Finder and how there were so many, like so many times when it felt like you were getting like two steps forward and then three steps back or the case was not you personally. How did you deal with the kind of the highs and lows? And I feel like it was almost a roller coaster because it's like, it was so clear and I felt like from what it seemed like to me, it just felt like people on the other side were just reaching for things. If you guys are not aware, they made this, these like false profiles that didn't exist, blah, 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 whatever. So when you are finally in a place where you're like, wow, this is actually working. My truth is finally coming out. And then they hit you with something like that. And there's a roller coaster. Like, how did you deal with that emotionally? Um, extremely tough. Um, you know, just to, shed some light about how it actually feels. I think this is the big, one of the biggest problems in our judicial system is where showing that, hey, you have no involvement in this is not enough. It's, it's actually got to get to a point where they have to assassinate your character now in order to get a conviction to send you to prison for 25 to years to life. To me, that's a big problem because that now becomes susceptible for you to go and send an innocent man to prison and the person that should be in prison to go out and victimize more people, right? I think that's a problem that we have in our justice system. And that's what you see in this case. I'm so happy that you saw the discernment. You got the discernment to see that in the documentary, like, oh my gosh, the only thing they're doing to this guy is trying to assassinate his character. Not only on things that are totally irrelevant, right? But also just trying to assassinate his character and just paint a stain over his name. And that's, that's exactly what I felt this whole time while all the cameras were on me. They were digging into my life. They were, I mean, I had to become extremely vulnerable mm -hmm. about things that Gabriel and I should only keep between us. So like, you know, people have always asked, uh, told me, thank you so much for being vulnerable in your life. I said, well, that's literally the thing I had to do to prove my innocence. And so um, how I dealt with it emotionally at the time, specifically for the Texas Ranger, right? Whenever he filed a report days before I was supposed to get released, he filed it to keep me in prison. He filed it to make sure that the, 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 the balance scales were, were balanced out instead of just like, hey, there's just too much to show these innocent, I gotta do something, right? And still to this day, we don't know his true motive. That's the thing, he never came back with a report saying why he lied about adult friend finder. I mean, it took me two minutes. I mean, it took him two minutes to completely try to shift everybody's attention from the evidence of innocence to this fake account, these fake, multiple fake accounts, by the way, that he said I used for fact. Um, and it took me two minutes to just make a phone call and say, you say, hey, can you tell me if I've ever had these? Oh, every single one of them came back that I've never had those accounts, never used the, the mm -hmm. website. And so um, it was tough. But when I got that news, I was in my cell in the Williamson County Jail. And I remember pacing back and forth and I actually punched the metal wall because I was so mad that we're here. I mean, 
five years so out, close. five years out, so close to coming back home. The next thing you know, they try to do something again to try to keep me in prison. I think that's a problem. A huge problem. Did anything happen to him for lying? No, no. So he, so they're untouchable. So in the state, <laughs> in the state of Texas, um, attorneys like DAs that that wrongfully do things that step out of their scope of operation with their titles, Texas Rangers, law enforcement, DAs, judges, they have extreme immunity. Like I'm talking about, they can go and make something completely up and they don't have to be held accountable. I think the only thing that they get held accountable on is actually withholding evidence. Mm -hmm. But if they go and lie and make a false report, immunity. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, guys, really quickly, I just wanted to talk to you guys about Function of Beauty. So I have been using Function of Beauty since long before they were a sponsor on this podcast, and I am their absolute biggest fan. I don't know about you guys, but I'm constantly trying out different hair products that other people recommend, and I just have not found one that I love. Any product I use just made my hair feel stringy or look a little bit gross, or I don't know. I just wasn't impressed until I started using Function of Beauty, and it has changed the game for me. So Function of Beauty is hair care that is for formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit in your unique needs. How unique, you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is as unique as you. So I have really dry hair, and I'm constantly trying out different oils and stuff from really high-end brands, and I just haven't found one that doesn't leave my hair either looking greasy or stringy or honestly just gross. And then I started using the serum that they sent me. Guys, this is the best product I have ever put on my hair. It is so moisturizing. It smells amazing. It's the only product that's ever had the fragrance kind of linger in my hair, which has always been a dream of mine. Who doesn't want their hair to smell good, you know? I share this stuff all the time on social media, on my Instagram and stuff, and it's not sponsored or anything like that. I just think it is the best hair product stuff to ever use. So first, you take a very quick quiz that's also thorough and tell them a little bit about your hair. This takes like under three minutes. And then next, Function of Beauty's team determine the right blend of ingredients and then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. They even print your name on it. I would really recommend the eucalyptus scent. It is the best one in my opinion. It smells so freaking good. You get out of the shower and my entire like upstairs smells amazing. Plus their formulas are vegan and cruelty free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair care brand. It is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash I love you to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Again, that is functionofbeauty.com slash I love you for 20% off and let them know you heard about it from our show. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Anyways, hope you guys are enjoying the show and let's get back to it. Gabriel, during this, when you said it was, it took a little bit of time in LA to kind of get that support system. How are you dealing with one, obviously like someone that you love, this horrible, horrible thing is happening. And that's also like your relationship. How are you dealing with just kind of staying true to yourself and like what you know and not letting, um, I almost want to say like the haters, but like not letting all the negativity and the lies um, kind of not get to you in a way of like, you know, the truth. So it's not like that's going to change your mind, but I can only imagine how like frustrating is doesn't, that word doesn't do it justice. That would be on like a day to day basis. Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, honestly, we did, like you said, have a ton of support, but there were those trolls on Twitter, Facebook. No one ever really said anything to my face, but I definitely heard things like behind my back. Um, I feel like I got really good at, and he kind of encouraged us too, is just like blocking those accounts and like not even looking at it. I literally just like blocked and turned numb to all of that stuff and just focused on the positive. Um, I think like our phone calls and our letters is what really encouraged me because he was so positive and he was the one that was going through all this and he was the one, you know, behind bars. Um, and I was so inspired by the way, you know, he carried himself and the way uh, he handled the situation. He was incredibly positive. I mean, I wish we could like listen to some of our phone calls because it was just total opposite of the way I would think it would go. I thought he'd be the one like complaining and um, just, I can't wait to get out of here, but it was just, he literally took the situation and turned it into like this beautiful thing. So I was super inspired the whole entire time from the beginning. And um, I just kind of took that into my life. I ignored all the haters and bl literally blocked them. And yeah, I just stayed positive through it all. And obviously the whole faith thing, um, he was really the one that, you know, brought God to, into my life. I was, I grew up in a Christian household, but um, I wouldn't say I was, you know, I believed in God, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And Greg was really the one that brought that into our relationship and showed me what that was about and showed me how beautiful it was. And um, yeah, and that's when he was in prison is when we both, you know, developed this awesome relationship with God. And it got us through a, the whole thing, honestly. Did you just really believe for getting out and the truth coming out? Or were you like, cause your sentence was 25 years, right? So did you just like really, really, really believe that there was no possible way that it would actually last? But at the same time, it's like, how would you even end up there, you know? Yeah, it was a mixture of, of beliefs here, you know, going into it, I had no hope. You know, when that happens to you and something really, really terrible happens where it's all, it's life altering. Like your whole life gets derailed. Everything you love, everything you're working really hard for, it's like literally you go through a whole life saving up as much money as you possibly can. And then somehow you just, all the money's gone. Right. And that's kind of how it was. It's something, all this value in my life was completely stripped and I got thrown into the wilderness. As I like to say it's, it's a world inside of a world. Um, the only people that probably know what it actually feels like mentally, not physically. Right. I mean, violence is true in there, but um, it's a mental game. It's a mental war you know, being separated from your family and being in a place full of hate and violence. Um, it took a big toll. And so going in there with hopelessness, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't have it because it would have changed me as a man. I mean, it, it changes you if you, if you want it or not. So I knew that I didn't want to come back into society, back to my family someday because we were fighting. And like I told Gabriel, you know, why I wanted to be so positive for her is to, always remind her that we're fighting for something we're on a mission and there's not going to be one troll out there that's going to knock off, knock us off our mission we're going to get to this point where the truth is going to come out it's it's the more most valuable thing in the whole world is truth so we're going to keep fighting and so going into it was was i hope did i have hope i didn't have the best hope but as i was sitting in there i did things that and i entertained things i i surrounded myself with things that were completely positive in my life. I, I grew great friendships with guys that maybe made a mistake when they're 18 or 19 years old, but they're 40 and 50 years old now. A lot of my friends were a lot more mature. 
I, I refused to hang around people that were immature because then again, the, the old saying goes, show me your five friends, I'll show you your future in five years. So I did not want to be around people like that. I was just going to be a negative impact on my life. So being around godly men that, that, you know, planted seeds in my life, that encouraged me to keep fighting, that believed in my innocence helped a whole lot. So um, I just wanted to share that with my family and kind of getting towards the tail end of everything. Um, I think the biggest hope of me getting, I guess the biggest hope of me having hope is that whenever um, my case got reopened, I think that is really like uh, what fire sparked a fire because it felt like things were just getting numb, you know, like going through the everyday life. I mean, what do you expect? You have to find some type of normal. And I think I tried to find some type of normal by working, by going to class, doing college, going to church, just getting, getting a routine. But it came to a day when my case got reopened and my, my shift and my focus started shifting to, okay, it's getting real. Like the truth is about to come out now. I've been waiting and praying for this day and it's about to, it's about to be here. At what point did you realize that you were getting out? Like, did you know and you had to wait a week or was it kind of day of? No, it was a, I did not know I was getting released until two hours before I got released. That's how, oh, that's how. Good, yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. So there was, yeah. so like, okay, I'm going to just give you a quick timeline. In July of 2013, I got convicted. Okay. Um, 2014, I'm sorry. I got accused in July of 2013, convicted in 14 of July, exactly one year. And then I went to prison and I didn't get released from prison, right? Until August 22nd, 2019. So um, that's a long time, you know? And so, um, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not until the 1917, August 22nd, 2017. Tons of dates I got to remember. Uh, August 22nd, 2017. But I got. I got bench warranted back to the Williamson County Jail from prison the beginning of that year, right? So like March of 2017, okay? So from March 2017 to August, 2000, or August 22nd, there was a little window right there where I could have gotten out any day, but we didn't know what day, at what time, a judge had to approve it, and I had to have a innocence hearing where we can provide all the evidence first. So the innocence hearing came out, came around the beginning of August, 2017. And then from August 2nd to, to, to the 22nd, that 20 day window, I could have got released any day. So we didn't know if I was going to get sent back to prison, if the judge was going to be like, yeah, I don't agree with this, this and that, go back to prison. Or that same day, she could literally give me an order to be released. And I got released on bond um, August 22nd, 2017 that started a long wait for the highest court of criminal appeals to agree with the judge's findings to declare me innocent. So that was still another two years though. That was another two years. Yeah. A long, very long anxiety, you know, filled yeah. two years. Gosh, Gabriel, when you found out he was getting out, you were in Texas already, right? Cause you were there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But like, again, go for it. No, go ahead. I was going to say, again, we had no idea if he was actually getting out then. Like, it was so last minute. We were literally waiting there. We're like, maybe he's going to walk out the doors. Maybe not. We're not sure. Is there any possible way to kind of describe that moment for you? Like, how were you feeling? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I felt like I was so numb for literally since the day he went to prison till the day he got out. And, I mean, 
I was broken for so long and there's so many tears and so many like I'm a very I don't like to show like that I'm sad a lot I like to like keep it all in and cry by myself and like kind of mope by myself in front of everyone else like to be positive person um so yeah I just felt like I could finally be this happy excited fool again person I mean I was so it's you can't put it into words you literally can't like it was honestly to this day still the best day of like, my life <laughs> it's like pure joy pure joy yeah you can't it's not created by yourself it's just it, the it's, feeling, it overwhelms yeah. you very overwhelming i can't even imagine so let's go okay exoneration okay the two-year period in between that though at any day you could have just gone back right yeah. The scariest part. Uh, yeah, the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is the highest criminal court in the state of Texas, very rare, by the way, to get them to agree that you're innocent because yeah. they don't want to. They don't want to say that they got it wrong. And in my case, um, it was a two long, two year long haul. I mean, you could see it in the documentary. Not only the awkward phases that my hair went went through, but because uh, I decided <laughs> to grow my hair out. But but uh, that's what people be like, man. Like, there's actually like a montage of clips of your hair getting long, <laughs> and uh, and I went through the awkward phases of curly hair. But you you could see that the director he, he did a really good job on meeting with me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. We check the list, and it's so crazy that you see your fate by just refreshing the list every Wednesday at 9 a.m. to see if if your name is either going to be on the innocent side or hey, go back to prison for 25 years side. And so that was absolutely terrifying. Every Tuesday night when I went to bed, I did not know if that dinner was gonna be the last dinner I was gonna have mm -hmm. with my family until I was 44. Um, and, and to kind of just understand the emotions of everything, being out in 2017 to being exonerated in 2019, that window, as, much, as many times as you can go and have a phenomenal dinner with your family and sit down and have laughs, it's like having a dark cloud over your head the whole time, a big weight on your shoulders that you wanna laugh and you wanna, you wanna cry and you wanna just do all these awesome emotions with your family, but at the end of the day, you know there's just this feeling in your gut, like, is this all just gonna be smoke and mirrors one day? You know, is this all just gonna go away and I'm gonna have to go and, and live in that place and just be a part of that, that, that world inside of the world till I was 44. And it came to a day when um, November 6, 2019 is when that dark cloud got lifted. And I felt like I was the most free and I was the most untamed person in the whole world because I, I can go and live life now. When this documentary um, came out, how did your hometown react to it? Like what was their response? You know, when, I think I think only a handful of people actually knew the documentary is being made. So for some people, it shocked some people. Like, oh, because I think I think a lot of people thought, oh yeah, documentary is being made in parts on top of YouTube doc or yeah. something like that. But people did not know the the magnitude of the person that was doing this documentary, Pat Candelis. He, he's an Emmy award winning director here out of Austin. He created a documentary called Disgraced. It's an Emmy award-winning documentary on Showtime. Um, and he decided to run with this thing about me being one year into prison. And he was very skeptical at first. He was like, oh, really? You're telling me that all these wrong things that were done to him, well, let me go, let me go fact check that. He went to go fact check it. He's like, oh yeah, it's okay. I understand now. We're gonna go ahead and put the green light on making this doc. So 
he got all the facts and documents and can't put it into a, a documentary form and he showed the whole world and my town that especially the, the half of the people that still maybe believe I did it showed like, Hey, here's the truth. Here's the stuff that you weren't getting spoon fed mm -hmm. by the chief of police. And they, uh, they reacted totally different to it. I think a lot of people were shocked. Mm -hmm. A lot of people did not know actually some of the information in the documentary because it was stuff that we were keeping from them to understand the, the magnitude of this story. Right. So, um, when did you guys get engaged? 2017, right? Yeah, December. Yeah, in Cabo. It was, it was a couple months after I was released. He was going to propose to me right when he walked out of prison. Like, that was his plan. And I'm so glad he did because I would have literally passed out. I was like, that's too much emotion. I'm so glad I didn't. But it happened, yeah, that December, right? 2017. Yeah, so a couple long ago. <laughs> months we went to Cabo. Um, I actually got with her parents. So I asked her, her dad for her hand in marriage while I was in prison, um, maybe a year before. I, I got released. I asked them like, Hey, um, coach Anderson, you know, um, I love your daughter very much. And at that time we were getting to know each other so much by letters through letters and getting to know each other's heart. And David and Tracy, her parents would visit me all the time. I mean, in prison all the time to make sure that I was okay. And I remember sitting down asking her dad for her hand in marriage. And he said, absolutely. I could not imagine any other man with my daughter. And it's so crazy to hear that, especially, I'm wearing a white jumpsuit. You know, I have a shaved head. I mean, I'm I'm with the the least of the earth, right? And like, I hear a man telling me that that he can't imagine any other guy with her daughter. And I did not know if I was gonna get released, so I was actually asking him to allow his daughter to be my wife, maybe for 25 more years while I was in here. And he, without a doubt, said yes. And so. That at, that at that point, I knew I honored him and he honored me. And so I started planning and asking my brothers like, hey, man, I'm gonna need to borrow some money. Can you please go buy a ring? I'll pay you back. And uh, I decided not to do that um, because it just hit me a couple couple of weeks uh, before. It's like, man, I just didn't, I didn't wanna do that in that, in that setting. So we uh, planned a trip to Cabo. And from the day I got released all the way to December, I just worked my butt off to, to raise as much cash as I possibly can and to go and buy a ring. And I had no idea either because I was like, why are you working so much? You just got out of prison. Like, what are you doing? Have fun. Like, stop the thing. I was working like 10 to 12 hour days. Um, most people would just like go and, and, and go enjoy yeah. life. But I had a mission. I wanted to ask her to marry me the right way. So we planned a trip to Cabo, the whole family went down there. The documentary actually came down because I told him, I was like, hey, you're going to want to get this on camera. She deserves to get this on camera and uh, for the whole world to see it. And we went on the beach and it was, you know, I proposed to her on the beach in Cabo. I love that story. I also love, Gabriel, like your dad's just belief in Greg. And I think that's so powerful, especially even, I mean, I have a lot of I'm not the biggest fan of the prison system as a whole. And I think that, I mean, clearly, but also I have like my own friend family experience with it. With it. And I just think people also like so quickly just write people off that, like you said, maybe made a mistake at 18, 19, or are on um, like have the most insane sentences for something that was so small. Like there, it's just so unfair. And I, and also I, 
I don't think it's really right to just, depending on the situation, obviously totally situational, I don't think it's right to just like completely write someone off. And I think that's so powerful is like the belief in you. I also think about like your lawyer that was actually great and incredible. The moment, okay, I'm thinking of in the documentary when, um, I don't know the exact verbiage, so I'm going to get this wrong, but when he dropped the, um, like essentially saying that she was like an incompetent lawyer. He dropped the ineffective assistant. Oh yeah. He's yes. Like, no. And then he goes on with the conflict of interest. I literally was like, I have told so many people about this documentary too. And all my friends and I'm like, no, but wait, it gets so, I'm like, you see this part and you're like, oh my gosh, he is so incredible. Do you guys still like keep up? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he married, no, yeah, he your wedding, right? Not last Jake, but he was there to like, announce us as the Kellys and stuff yeah. like we're super close with them that play that that the the thing he did we we actually have a saying that 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 was like the Bill Belichick New England Patriots Super Bowl winning play <laughs> yes uh, because because he had that up his sleeve the whole time, the whole time. He, he was waiting for her to not cooperate and go and kick circles which she did she literally held up the whole innocence hearing which is supposed to be my day Right. It's supposed to be my day to prove that, hey, I didn't do this. Here's all the evidence we found that the, the original investigation, the Cedar Park Police Department didn't want to go find. Mm-hmm. Right. It's supposed to be my day. But she held it up for an hour for hours trying to trying to go and, and talk to the judge and hold hold everything up. So, um, you know, going into this, I I've developed a really good relationship with Keith. Um, he was he believed in me when, you know, no other attorney did. And he, he gave me the, uh, the right to have an attorney like every person should. And he fought for me each and every day. So when we got married, I think we thought it was appropriate to have him announce us to the world because he announced me to the world as an innocent man. So I wanted him to announce us as the Kellys. And so Jake Bryden, of course, he's an angel sent from heaven. Um, literally, that's how we saved because he, he didn't know me personally, um, but he knew her he was a student of her dad's and so his her, her dad impacted his life in a tremendous way where he he just had to continue to look at it because if there's if there's a family like the andersons that support greg kelly then i need to look in this a little bit more because people with high morals and high character just don't go and support child molesters so yeah they jake got involved and he became my voice and he, he led it every which of the way, every step of the way. And uh, we just thought it was appropriate that the people that really fought for me, got out for me and stood for me, had positions to, um, you know, be a part of the next chapter of our life. I love that so much. When it got to your like wedding scene in the documentary, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm actually cry. This is like the best thing I've ever seen. Okay, let's continue on with like happy, happier things. Um, life after prison, getting exonerated, what kind of is your day to day? I know that's what everyone is like so interested in. They're like, wait, so like, where are they now? Um, let's talk a little bit about your business, UT Austin. I just want to hear what you guys have been up to. Yeah, I'll let her talk a little bit. I've been taking over. No, you're good. (laughs) I mean, once he was exonerated, it just felt like we were free to do whatever we want. We definitely have so many goals of like traveling. We want to travel the world. Um, I had to turn my passport in because I had to get my last name changed to Kelly and they haven't given it back to me until literally like two days ago that we can finally travel. Um, but yeah, we have goals of starting a prison ministry. I know he's has his heart set on that and I want to be a part of that as well. Um, 
I, I work at a dance studio and we're moving into a new building and um, I run a company over there. So we're super excited about that. And um, yeah, do you want to talk about the business and UT and football? And Yeah, so um, ever since I got exonerated, I got admitted to the University of Texas. I'm a student here. Um, we're, we live north of campus in an apartment. And uh, we, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been so good. I mean, I had a great spring semester made A's and B's, uh, worked really hard for that. And a lot of people didn't know that when I got released from prison, um, I worked my butt off to get to get good enough grades and hope and faith to apply to the University of Texas when I got exonerated. And it seemed like all of those goals that I created, it happened. So I'm here, um, um, that's, that's it on the school part of it. Uh, I, I expect to graduate probably in about a year and a half. Um, that's the goal. Um, as far as a small business, I create a small business over the summer, this summer, where we uh, like build and customize cornhole sets. And I build some ax throwing boards as well for like residential backyards. And I know a lot of people, they're like, oh my gosh, ax boards, that's scary. It's really not as scary as you think it is. Um, it's, it's tons of fun. Both of our moms do it. So <laughs> yeah, I think the whole family adopted a love for it. Um, and then yeah, like Gabriel said, we just, we love traveling. I love seeing the world. Um, it's so funny because when I was in prison for three years, I read uh, books about the whole world. I read about, you know, different places around the world. And uh, you can't help but just to vision yourself there, you know, when you're in a place full of that, that hate and violence. So we, um, we tend to, we, we plan on doing that. And yeah, I mean, we just plan on loving life and seeing what's next. I love that. Have you guys watched any like series lately that you've liked? Have you read any books recently? Anything like that? Series we're watching right now is probably the most disturbing series. It's the Jeffrey Epstein one. And oh my gosh, is- I have so much to say. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing is that we, we've been so busy with life that we uh, and fighting for me yeah. that we actually like don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, and I watch a tons of Shark Tank. Tons, I mean, I'm a ton. Tons tons. Of right Tank. when I get home, I'm like, if if you know we're, we're eating dinner and then I just like <laughs> plop on the couch watching Shark Tank and we both fall asleep to it. Yeah, but we actually never get to see any like true crime docs or anything yeah. like that because I mean we live the true crime doc. We kind of get sick yeah. of it. So. Yeah, we, uh, it's hard to so, watch. Very hard so to we watch. finally kind of got to a point where we can sit back and watch other people's stories. And the Jeff Epstein story is just super crazy and wild, disgusting, so disturbing. disgusting, disturbing, everything. And it's just like, what the heck? And so. Um, that's what we're watching right now. We just yeah, finished it. Actually. actually, we just finished it last night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's disturbing to like say the very least. It is so crazy. Glenn Maxwell right now, I think she's on trial. She finally ended up, because when I watched it, I watched it a little bit like earlier this year um, and she was like out free and whatever. But it no, that is so like that documentary. You're like, it's just crazy. Exactly. Like, again, it shows how unfair things are. And it's also like really, yeah, it's so corrupt and it's actually terrifying. I'm like, okay, it's just, that's not it. Um, okay, so if anyone wants to go shop from your small business or follow you guys or anything like that, plug yourselves, where can they find you? Um, yeah, so we actually have an online store uh, website, which is www.tomahawktargetsatx.com. Uh, we also are very live on social media, yeah. um, Tomahawk Targets, you know, at Tomahawk Targets, Instagram, Facebook, 
Um, I also post about it all the time on my personal page, uh, which is Greg Kelly too. And so, um, yeah, that's how you can find us. Yeah. Um, mine's Gabriel Kelly. Yeah. Gabriel Kelly. <laughs> Gabriel Kelly, Greg Kelly. Yep. I'll have them in the show notes, but thank you guys so much for coming on. This episode was so incredible. I also know this is probably something you're so tired of talking about. So thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. I really just think like how you guys have gone about this and just stayed, I, I hate to like use the word positive, but like stay positive and so hopeful and like grounded in your faith and just been able to obviously like thank God come out on the other side, but just what you guys have been able to do after that and just who you are as people, like I would so admire. And I'm just like, I'm so happy for you guys, especially. But thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, if any of you guys want to follow them, I will have everything in the show notes below. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. Again, don't forget to, one, join the living room, Patreon, um, faith content you guys will love. Two, join the mailing list. You guys don't want to miss out on that. Um, and that's pretty much it. If you guys liked the episode, leave a nice rating and review. Subscribe to the podcast and get ready for next week. Guys, buckle up. Read your book. You have an assignment. Can't wait to talk. Okay. Love you guys so much and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.